Today on the Colin and Samir podcast, Colin and I talk about a recent experience that turned out to be one of the most nerve-wracking experiences we've had in a while. It all revolves around a pitch for our show, The Breakdown. And we'll get into more specifics about the opportunity and the experience in the episode itself. This podcast recording was actually the first time Colin and I talked about the experience and it led to a lot of interesting topics in our conversation. We talk about how each of us felt before, during, and after the pitch experience. We talk about the concept of comparison and imposter syndrome, and we even talk about morning routines and how we each try and set ourselves up for success in the mornings. This is probably one of our most candid and revealing podcasts, and after we were done recording, even we were surprised about where the conversation went. All right, let's get into it. This is episode 29 of the Colin and Samir podcast. All right. Welcome to our first episode that we're actually filming. So Did we press record? No. <laughs> forgot to press record on the camera, so complications already. Uh, uh, I'm going to go press record. All right. Yeah. So we're making an effort to film the podcast as well. We realize there's, there's a lot of cool concepts that we talk about that we've been wanting to turn into videos. And sometimes the conversation that organically happens on the podcast, that's actually like the best version of the thought that we want to use in the video. So filming the podcast allows us to promote the podcast a little bit more as well as create new videos out of the conversation. I feel like I can be much more authentically myself on the podcast than in a video. It's a little bit more difficult. So hopefully by filming the podcast, we can show more of ourselves on our YouTube channel. Mm -hmm. I mean, even, even though like a lot of our videos aren't quote unquote scripted, when you're intentionally filming a video, you're thinking like an editor, or at least we are because we edit, and, and we're thinking in the direction of like, is what I just said, does that make sense for the edit? Does that make sense for the video itself? On a podcast, when it's long form conversation, it starts to kind of organically flow once you're warmed up. There's also an expectation from an energy level when you watch a six to 10 minute video, right? Mm -hmm. I think like we try and come out with a lot of energy. And when you're listening to a podcast, you have the understanding that you may sit for an hour and a half. And the pacing mm -hmm. can be a little bit slower. And even if you mess up, it's the audience is a little more forgiving. Yep. So the topic for today's podcast, I'm, I've been dying to have this conversation. Um, I'll bring you up to speed with some stuff that's happened recently. Um, I have a friend who works at Instagram. Actually, we both used to work with him. He's um, my friend too. Yeah. So we have a friend who works at Instagram, but I came across a post on LinkedIn where Instagram and BuzzFeed were looking for... Um, show ideas for this thing that they're calling Vertical U. It's essentially they're going to hand select some content creators and bring them into BuzzFeed, teach them about how to make vertical video and potentially like develop a show and actually have that show be part of BuzzFeed's Instagram. So it's a really cool opportunity. And immediately we thought like, oh man, we should pitch the breakdown. This is a show we've been working on for a long time. It's about topical um, things that happen on the internet. This this could be good. We've cut it vertically before. So immediately we went into like pitch mode. I mean, we've pitched it before. Right. So we have a pitch deck ready to go. And we had, what, 24 hours to submit because we found out on the mm -hmm. last day. Yeah. It, well, yeah, we had about, by the time we started working on it, we had 24 hours to submit. Yeah. Because we, I found out a couple days prior, but we were just busy. So, so then, we kind of like... Yeah. By the time it came around, it was like, all right, Let's do this. We put it together really quickly. Um, Samir and I both had to fill out applications separately, but there's an area where it says, 
are you applying with someone else? And, and you can link each other's names. Um, but we both applied separately. We made it past the first round, which we actually had to submit a resume in mm-hmm. the first round. I haven't put together a resume since I graduated from college. That was actually the thing that took us the longest. Yeah. Each of us had to make a resume, resume which we haven't done. I, I haven't had a resume. Actually, I don't know. I don't remember the last time I've had a resume. We've been working for ourselves for so long. I had a resume six years ago to get a job at the front desk of a hotel. Right, yeah. That was my last resume. Yeah, I think I had a resume to get a job at, uh, at the gym when I, was, when I was a towel boy. But anyway, we had to put together a resume and put together the pitch. And we had like a bunch of video assets. And we got an email saying, hey, congratulations. You've made it past the first round. Now comes the second round, which was an interview. But an interview that was done in the most unique way that I've ever been interviewed in my life. So it's a video interview, but there's no one on the other end and you get to see the question and you get about 60 seconds to read the question. And then all of a sudden your camera activates on your computer, on your laptop, and you have 30 seconds to answer the question. No redos. You can't review what you recorded. You can't redo it. Um, so the concept itself is like, whoa, that's, that's pretty intense. They, they lay that out in the email. And then when you go to the actual interviewing platform, it allows you to do like a practice. But Colin and I did these interviews separately. We have not talked about how, how these interviews really went together because Colin called me and was like, didn't really go that great. And he was like, let's talk about this on the podcast. <laughs> so I've been dying to hear how it went for him. Not, not only because like, I think this will be an interesting conversation, but because I'm actually interested in, in how it the went. Results. Like, yeah, the results. Yeah. The result of, well, I told you it wasn't atrocious, Yeah, <laughs> but it wasn't great. Um, well going into it, honestly, I thought I was like, well, I'm on camera all the time. Mm-hmm. I'm not nervous about this at all. And then it was interesting. You called me the morning that you did yours mm-hmm. and you were like, man, I crushed it. I did super well. I feel really confident. Mm. And you told me some of the questions. I told you all of the questions. You told me all the questions. You asked too. Yeah. And for some reason, hearing that you did well made me nervous. It was like, oh, okay. Like I need to now perform like in my head there's some sort of bar that you set Mm. where it's like all right Samir and I get compared to each other you know we're we're like grouped into this project he just hit the home run like am I about to like bunt and get thrown out at first base (laughs) that was like but like I think I wasn't thinking in that sports analogy necessarily but I started to get a little bit nervous that morning got a coffee from a new coffee shop I've never been to which I think was, Where did you was, go? I don't even want to talk about it, but it was a bad decision. What? Okay. So then I didn't I'm, know that I'm on edge detail. a yeah. little bit. I didn't know that detail. Changing uh, up the routine. Yeah. But even at this point, I, I really was still not that nervous. Like I was mm-hmm. like, all right, that's cool. Like Samir gave me the questions. These aren't, we went over the answers a little yep. bit. This isn't that hard. And then when I sat down in my apartment and I started the interview and it starts counting down yeah. and it kind of like beeps. Yep. It's like five, four, mm-hmm. three two and i shit you not man i started to have like a panic attack i think right when it started recording no like yeah yeah, yeah. Oh, like okay. as it, as the as it was yeah. coming down to one to yeah. start recording and i was like i was freaking out my heart rate was going so mm. intensely mm. and it just was getting worse and worse and worse until it hit zero and the red light went on to record mm. and i was like oh i'm in it now 
Yeah. Like I'm really in it. And I started trying to explain the concept of the breakdown, which I kind of rehearsed in my head, which I think was a bad move Hmm. because I knew the question from you earlier in the morning. And you ever have one of those moments where you get like choked up, like you talk too fast, something where all of a sudden you like, you just don't have your voice anymore. Mm Mm-hmm. It just kind of like stops for some reason and you swallow really big. (laughs) So that's what I did. And then when I realized that I had done that, I like paused and smiled and I was like, shit, I'm still in this. Like I'm still in the interview. I need to finish this question. So I finished it and the 30 seconds was up and I just stood up and like walked around my apartment and was like, man, just took some deep breaths and was like, dude, you need to get it together, man. Like this is not that difficult so wait what did you do prior because i'm interested to like you know you and i had talked about this we had our first kind of hollywood meeting two weeks ago yeah and we all like everyone who was involved in the meeting prepared for the meeting differently about 15 minutes prior to the meeting yeah which was really interesting um how did you outside of walking to go get a coffee was there any like well for that meeting specifically i was not nervous i think one because we were all in it together and we even like agreed to take time separately Mm -hmm. to like prepare how we wanted to prepare, Mm -hmm. right? Like we prepared together and then we were all like, let's take everyone, take 20 minutes, do what you need to do. And an in-person interview or an in-person pitch, which that was, was you can kind of feel it out a little bit more when there's someone on the other end. Um, And for me, there's just more comfort in like going in in a group setting. So what you just said is really important. You said there's, there's, there's really something to when there's someone else on the other end, right? And I think yeah. we believe in feedback so much. We've made tons of videos about ideas require feedback. So one thing that I thought about this morning when, you know, I've been, if you follow me on Instagram, you know that I've been writing every morning. I'm like not shy about posting about it. But uh, part of the writing this morning that I thought about was, I wrote this line that said, the art of thinking is done in solitude, but ideas require feedback. That's why I write. And I just re- realized like the, the exercise of writing every day has allowed me to have feedback on my thoughts that are in my head. And it makes me uh, able to articulate to someone else better because I've already put pen to paper and like ha- gone through some sort of active feedback, which is like writing it down and reading it, Yeah, you know? And so it's really interesting because the night before I had essentially set out, like I knew, I think I told you, I was like, I'm going to do this thing at 8 a.m. tomorrow morning, the BuzzFeed interview. Yeah. And I had set out like a plan for what the morning was going to look like. I was like, I know, yeah. I know exactly what I need to do to get myself in the, in the right mindset. And I'm not saying that I, I wasn't nervous. I was actually more nervous than I thought I was going to be. Like I went through my routine, which was I woke up, I did yoga, I did my writing then I went to a coffee shop and sat there for a little bit because I needed just some time. And then when I came back, after I had had a coffee, which is you know, a very stimulating thing, my heart was pounding. When I was thinking about this, like this interview, I was like, this is a crazy thing. This, this, I did the practice one, which made me way more nervous. Yeah. And that's when I was like, you know what? I didn't think about this, but this is a really important thing. Now I turned it on and everything, it was ready to go. I turned on the camera that was going to film me doing it so we could like have some coverage of it. And I just took a step back and I did a 10 minute long meditation Mm -hmm. because I was like, I, there's like 
it's so it's such a crazy thought that there's not going to be someone on the other end of this interview. So to prepare for it, I like really had to calm myself down. And once I calmed myself down, like coming out of that meditation, I had this like confidence in me that was just like, this is what I do. I'm on camera. I can improv. I've been doing this my whole life. And this is what they're looking for. Like, uh, this is my craft. And the reason they're putting me through this pressure situation is because they're like, the, the, the questions weren't actually like no. real. When you really think about it, <clears throat> this was an exercise to be like, all right, that's why they gave you 30 seconds to answer. Yeah. It's like you only need like literally 15. Yeah. It, they're very simple questions. Yeah. But I think for you to sit there and say like, this is what I do. This is my craft. Mm. I think that's how you and I differ a little bit. Like I never thought I was going to be on camera mm. and I have a lot of like deep rooted insecurity and like imposter syndrome about like, I'm not someone who should be on camera. I am an editor who should be in like a dark room that by some crazy possibility found his way onto YouTube and in front of the camera. Hmm. Like when I like the picture of myself is that I'm someone who's behind the camera. And that's really kind of how I started before mm -hmm. I started working with you and moved to LA. Like in the first video I ever made, there's a shot of me, but I'm not hosting to the camera. Yeah. Um, so for me, it was like, the first question did not go well. And then I took a step back. I walked around my apartment and I was like, dude, you got to get it together. Like, mm -hmm. <laughs> this is not that hard. Took some deep breaths. And I got through the rest of the questions fine. But you can definitely tell that, like, this is a nervous human being on the other end of this lens. Mm. And, like, someone who's unsure of himself. And I was really disappointed in myself at the end. And it felt to me, I was like, this feels like it reaffirms the imposter syndrome that I've been feeling that like, I am exactly what I thought I was like my, like all of my insecurities, like this was it here. It was, they're going to find out. <laughs> and there's also an element of like, I felt bad knowing that you like crushed it. I was like, I don't want to be the weak link in this dynamic. And even like, like this Buzzfeed thing, like it's not make or break. Like it's, yeah, it's it one of cool. many opportunities that yeah. come our way. And I don't think I like messed up so badly. Like it wasn't that bad, but just the way it made me feel hmm. throughout, I was very like disappointed in how it kind of like really shook me. Um, and I thought it was interesting though, like after when I spoke to you about it briefly, cause I said, I want to talk about it on the podcast. Yep. You said, oh man, I said to Katie earlier, or the day before, Colin's going to crush this thing. Like you were, you were, your impression was that I was going to do very well mm -hmm. and that you were going to have a tough time. Yeah. And I, but I also told her, I told my girlfriend, Katie, I was like, just one of us has to nail this. So like, most likely it's going to be Colin. And that's why I over-prepared myself. Mm. I, I went through it like I was going to play in a, in a championship game. And I've recognized that like, I actually now re like really realize that I require certain things uh, to make sure I can articulate myself. Like I, I, I need to go through like a hour and a half long morning routine to go throughout the day and articulate myself in a calm manner. Mm. And, and it's, uh, like, I think I, I overprepared for it and that's probably what compensated for me, like being able to do it. Cause typically if like, if you give me 30 seconds, I, like I'm going to start 
an answer that's going to require 10 minutes. You know what I mean? Like that's totally. who I am. Like every podcast we've been on has gone two hours long. And I yeah. think it's because I'm long. You're the type of guy that yeah. like, you got 30 seconds and you're like, okay, the nature of questions. Yeah. I will. And 30 start. second increments in general. <laughs> exactly. And they're like, no, 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 you got to get to the point. Yeah, exactly. So again, like the, the concept of writing has really helped me be more concise and like sort out the thoughts in my head. So I don't start at like the history of humanity <laughs> to get to yeah. why this show is good for you. <laughs> but when you said that you thought I was go- like going yeah. in, you thought I was going to do very well and that mm. you were going to have a tough time. And I was affected by the fact that you called me and said that you did really well before yeah. I did mine. Yeah, yeah. There's this interesting thing where like on social media, there's a lot of comparison that we deal with where you compare yourself to every image, every video that you see. But you and I even have a different dynamic, I think, where like we compare ourselves to each other, like to mm-hmm. one another. Do you, mm-hmm. It's like it's impossible not to, mm-hmm. which I think adds even extra pressure and something that you kind of have to like you have to try and take a step back from yeah i i agree with that to an extent i also think that in comparing ourselves like i'm not going to say that throughout our six years i haven't you know we haven't compared ourselves to each other of course we have but as of recent i think i've viewed it a lot differently i've said this earlier on the podcast or the first episode when we did creative partnerships like my expectations of how you, what you require to get into a creative flow are not that it's the exact same as me. Does that make sense? Yeah. And, and, and I think like I have to, I view it now much more as a team, which is funny because we're actually not in competition with each other. I know that, Absolutely. that there's going to be times where like we are doing things where I'm like, oh, damn, like that was really cool. Or like Colin did that really well. And I wish I could do that as well as he could. But you recognize like that's why we are we're not sitting in like an incubator and like competing with each other. No, like I was disappointed because I want to do well for the betterment of like the The team. team. Yeah, yeah. You know, I I was just viewing it as like just one of us has to nail this because we come as a package. Hmm. So like as long as one of us nails this, we're going to be all right. And and so I was really viewing it as like my job was to nail it so that we doubly affirmed it. Hmm. Which is which is funny to think about, but I have I had so much confidence in you that uh, like your ability to tell a story concisely that when I heard thirty seconds, I was like, this is not my game. Like thirty seconds is yeah, not my not game. Your game. If you if you brought me in for an in person interview and we had an hour blocked off, I think that's my game. But totally, like, I was like thirty second increments. This is not this is not my game. But at the end of it, like even when you told me like, dude, I don't I don't think I did very well. That's when I was like, oh, it's not a big deal, because I think I did pretty well. Yeah. It's not like we both tanked. Yeah, if we both like tanked, which I think when we did that Bonobos commercial, remember that? Yeah. yeah <laughs> I think we both walked out and we're like, <laughs> we just gave some real weird answers on that interview. Yeah. Yeah. But, I want to I get back to like the morning routine okay, thing yeah, though yeah, and yeah. like understanding what's right for you. Like, because you said that you've come to find a, a morning routine that is right for you regardless of like what I'm doing. Like it's mm-hmm. not that, that your morning routine is going to be different. And I've found, we've been talking a lot about morning routines lately yeah. and it's so easy specifically with morning routines for me to compare myself to everyone else's morning routine. Mm-hmm. Cause I'll get up, I'll check Instagram and people are posting about their morning routine. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Including me, including you. Yeah. 
there's kind of like two ways you can go about it. Like you can take it as like inspiration, like, oh, well, that's a, that seems like he must be on to something. Like he's doing something for himself in the mornings that looks productive. Let me try and do that. Or like what our friend Amar is doing mm-hmm. by working out and posting it for 100 days. People are getting on board. So there's like, you can take inspiration from it. But sometimes I find that I look at these posts and if I haven't done anything for myself in the morning that was productive, I'm quick to think like, damn, what am I doing? Like, what did I just, how did I just start my day? Like, why didn't I do better? Hmm. And it can make me like feel bad. What's the quote about comparison? Comparison is the thief of joy. Yeah. Yeah. That Elon Musk said, I I believe that a lot for sure. And like just being a human being, you're naturally going to compare yourself to other human beings for sure. Uh, There's ways that it's like accelerated and there's ways where you, you might have to internally like decide that this is, I'm no longer going to like compare, but look at other, I mean, I have, I have a very hard time with that. Like creatively, I think, when we first two years ago when we first started on this like this Colin and Samir YouTuber path like I was very easily swayed by someone else's success and Mm -hmm. I was like that's what we need to be doing but um today I look at it I'm like and there was a lot of like jealousy and ego in comparison where it's like I, I think comparison almost is like thinking like I'm capable of that why am I not doing that that would make me a better ex yes right but it's weird because I have looked at your morning pages, Instagram posts, and I've done morning pages Mm -hmm. some mornings because of it, and it makes me feel better. And I also have gone to the gym because I see Amar has been going to the gym every day, and Mm -hmm. that makes me feel better. But it's an interesting thing where, like, it doesn't always make me feel better. Mm. But I think it's about, I I have to either not look at Instagram if it affects me so much, or sort of take stock of how it does affect me and make sure that I can push it in a positive direction where I do go to the gym or I do write in the morning. Yeah. I think, uh, Seth Godin on Tim Ferriss this week said, or two weeks ago said like, start from zero, like, like take everything out and then add things back. Mm -hmm. Meaning like maybe it's a thought of, can I take everything out, go to sleep without an alarm, without my phone next to me, wake up, do the first thing that makes me feel good. (laughs) <laughs> and like yep. write down a bunch of things that make me feel good in the morning, D- do whatever those things are. And then actually like intentionally be like, okay, that worked. That didn't, let me take that out. Let me add this in. Cause like, I think it's so personal. Mm-hmm. It's so personal. It's not, it's not like there's one morning routine that's going to set everyone up for success. Like it's incredibly personal. And I do think though, it's so important to how the rest mm-hmm. of your day goes. Oh my God. Yeah. Like y- have you ever felt rushed in the morning and then gone to the next thing and then that feels rushed and like the weird? Ma- and the majority of my mornings, <laughs> so, yeah. So that's a great example. Like I, I, That was something that I just wanted to cut out. I was like, I don't want to feel rushed. I don't want to feel like I'm late. I don't mm-hmm. want to feel like I haven't had time to sort out my thoughts before I meet with other people, before I start taking action on anything. If I like pick my clothes out the night before, mm-hmm. get up early and give myself enough time to make breakfast... And to do it slowly, like to enjoy making breakfast, that to me is a win. Like when I can make breakfast, I can do the dishes that morning so everything's clean. Yeah, yeah. And I don't feel rushed to then get to work. That to me, I feel like always sets me up for success. Like I feel like I accomplished something. Yeah. So then essentially it's like 
what time do I want to start working and how much time do I need to do that? And then you might have to force yourself to get up at an earlier hour. Do you know what I mean? That's where you're wrong. And that's, <laughs> yeah, that's, that's at least what I saw. Like I, I get up sometime between six 30 and seven, which like every morning yeah. I can do it. I'm, I'm confident yeah. I can do it. Um, I've been getting up earlier. I think as you get older, you naturally start to get up. Totally. Earlier. Also, if you do it for four days straight, it's much easier on the fifth day. Yeah. So like the first day might suck, but then it just gets better. Yeah. It's like, it's like anything else. I think I've also found, cause I have been waking up a little bit earlier, um, especially on weekends and going to a coffee shop in the morning and writing or drawing that I actually can be creative in the morning. I used to think that it was like primarily reserved for night. Mm. Um, but as of late, I think if I get up really early when it's like still quiet and there's not as many people out, like I'm able to get creative. It just takes time. And in the past I've always been rushed. So, right. Yes. Like I think like creativity is very possible in a rush, but it's so much more enjoyable when you give yourself time. Yeah. Like I think about college, like I used to write my papers absolutely every time the night before or maybe two nights before if I was like really like, you know what, this is going to be a big paper. So like, I, like you could do it in a rush, but I remember the, the off times where I like really enjoyed a project and I gave myself the adequate amount of time to do it. It was so fun. Like the, even when we make videos, it's so fun when we work on something for a long time that where we have that amount of time Mm -hmm. and like, then it's done. It's like, Oh, that's awesome. But sometimes some of our best videos happen in 24 hours. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's possible to do it. And sometimes, yeah, it's better, but it's also really fun to (laughs) give yourself the time. Yeah. And I think that morning before the Buzzfeed interview, I definitely did not do anything you know what I thought was interesting myself. was that uh, today, the day we're recording the podcast, by the end of tonight is when that interview's due. I thought it was really interesting you did it that day because I thought you definitely weren't going to do it that day. I felt like we were a little bit because you were like, I'm going to do it tomorrow morning. And I was like, oh, I, guess. I just I just knew once I got that email, I was very excited and I was like, there's no reason I'm not going to do this tomorrow morning. If I, I don't do it tomorrow morning, I'm going to just think about it. Exactly. I didn't want to wait on it yeah. either. Yeah. Like I wasn't going to wait till today. Yeah. So wait, I wanted to get back to imposter syndrome. Mm. It's something I feel like we've talked about before, but I actually don't fully understand exactly what it means. I mean, I think I can understand it, but maybe let's explain it. Like, I, yeah, or have you explain it? So imposter syndrome, as far as I know, is sort of the belief that you're not as talented or as worthy of a position or a job like, I guess it's like, it would be like, exactly. Like, let's say we get this BuzzFeed Instagram thing. Mm. And in December, we are over at BuzzFeed headquarters. Mm-hmm. And I go over there thinking like, they made a mistake by mm. picking me because I'm actually not good. So I think it's just like, it's just the belief that like, you're not that good. People are just mistakenly taking chances on you and that's why you're finding success. And that at one point, everyone's going to find out that like you're a fraud. You're not actually that talented. That's so interesting. Has that, has that shown up prior to being like the last six years of us working together? Then right now? No, no. Like before you and I started working together, like in high school or college. Um, 
man. I, I guess, I don't know, maybe a little bit like playing lacrosse. Hmm. If I got like a starting position being like, oh, this isn't going to last long. Hmm. Like I didn't deserve to get this spot. I'm going to make a mistake soon. Everyone's going to figure out that I'm not that good. Interesting. Yeah, because I, I find that in the last six years, like all experiences and signs have pointed to us being reaffirmed that we are as good as we think we are. Yeah. Right? Yeah. It, it, it generally like, it doesn't happen like that, that like always that like you do like get fired or whatever. Mm-hmm. Like that's not like, at least in our path, like we have like continued to step forward and find success. But that's why for me, like I've, I always feel that way though, that like, at least in terms of being an entertainer specifically being on camera, hmm. like I think I could edit in front of like arenas and be like, isn't this incredible? Somebody out there, please tell us if there's a forum for Colin to edit in front of a live audience. Yeah. I guess there is a forum. People do that on like Twitch and stuff. Yeah. But I mean, like there's just certain things like I feel like I'm a really good editor yeah, and yeah. like, and I don't think anyone, if someone was like, you're not good at editing, I'd be like, you're wrong. Okay. I got it. Right. Yeah. But specifically being on camera and like being an entertainer, I guess, mm-hmm. and like a personality, I have always felt like I wasn't meant to do this. Somehow it just happened. Do you want to do it? I like doing it because it's an extra tool to tell a story. Like I like having the option to host a video to push a narrative along or that you and I, when we're on camera, like if we come up with like jokes or it's funny that that's like an added bonus for the, for the video. Yeah. But like, I think you wake up and you're like, how can I get on camera today? Yes. And I wake up and I'm like, how can I not fuck up if I'm on camera today? Interesting. Yeah. I mean, I always wanted to be on camera, like from a young age. Yeah. And I never wanted to be. Yeah, so that that's that's a pretty interesting thing. Yeah. I mean, even to talk about and think about like in our in what we're doing. Like we pitched a show to BuzzFeed that hopefully, I mean, we'll find out in the next week and we'll keep you guys updated, but hopefully it takes us to the next stage, which would be a week long uh development course kind of thing at BuzzFeed, uh, which would just be an awesome experience no matter what. Very cool. Um uh that that has us on camera. And it would be a great home for the breakdown. Mm-hmm. to end up on BuzzFeed's IGTV. It'd be IGTV. so cool, like the BuzzFeed breakdown. You'd have awesome. some resources which would make it easier to put together and you'd yeah. have a huge audience that would be interested in, in watching yeah. it. Also, allows us to, to move in, in, the, in a new direction. I want to be forced to move into vertical video. I think like it's so fascinating. Anyway, besides the point, mm-hmm. like about us hosting. Yeah. Um, like we, we're pitching stuff. I guess we're pitching stuff on both sides right now. In front of camera and yeah, behind the camera? Yeah, in front of camera and behind yeah. the camera. Um, the one thing I'll say, though, about putting myself on camera is it's led to tons of personal growth. Like, the first time I put myself on camera was with you, and I was super anxious, super uncomfortable. But through doing it a lot, I think I learned how to be more comfortable with it, to be the best version of myself, to eventually speak in front of people in rooms, not just behind a camera, and feel more comfortable because of what I was doing every day, putting myself on camera. So I do think it's been very impactful for me. Like I would recommend it to anyone just because like, yeah, it can be for a lot of people, something that's uncomfortable. 
and putting myself out of my comfort zone and committing to doing it again and again and again, I ended up learning a lot about myself. Would you recommend to those people to edit their own footage? That's all I know. I mean, I, I think that's part of it too with the Buzzfeed thing is like, yeah. I didn't have any control over the footage that I was like over my, the oh, footage oh, of yeah, my yeah. interview. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean? And like, I, I am nervous in the production process when, when I'm putting myself on camera, generally all the way up until the video is done in the timeline. And I can say like, okay, it's safe. It's good. Interesting. Yeah. You know, whereas you're like, you don't care. You're like, no. let's get someone in here to film us 24 seven. Yes. <laughs> and just like roll on everything. <laughs> yeah. And put and, out and cut it and put it out and everywhere. cut it and put it out. Yeah. I would love that. Yeah. If anyone's out there, <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm open to it, no. but it just makes me a lot more nervous. Yeah. Yeah. No, but I, I mean, I, I think it's a, uh, it's an interesting thing because I, I, I'm not as much in the edit. Like I, I edit and I have edited, um, but you edit a lot more of our stuff and the process of filming yourself and then watching it over and over and cutting yourself. And like that to me, I think over time can be a pretty jarring and strange experience if you, you know, are questioning if you should be on camera or not. Yeah. And I think like any insecurity you have about the way you look or the way you act mm -hmm. to have to sit and watch the footage is like painful, you know? Yeah. Like that, that for me specifically, like there are certain things where I, like I have like bags under my eyes when I'm mm -hmm. like really tired or just naturally. Like I, I, it's funny. I like only of the past two years that I realized that I have bags under my eyes, but I look back to like six years ago when I was filming and I actually look pretty similar. Like I don't look that different, mm. but I just didn't see them six years ago as an issue. But it's just part of like my makeup of my face. Like when I was a little kid, like I have like bags under my eyes. Did you ever go through any um, big transformation like from your like aesthetics or anything when you were younger? Or were you ever like really unhappy with your looks or anything when you were younger? The only thing I remember is, you know, I went to a private high school from sixth grade uh, up until senior year, mm -hmm. and we had to wear uh, like khakis, shirt, and a tie every day. And I enjoyed that. But by the time I got to college, I realized like I don't own jeans. Like I don't own like cool t shirts. Like I, I had no identity in terms of like my fashion, really. So college was like early college was like a huge time of like exploration and like when I first got there everyone was dressed like snowboarders at the University of Colorado and so I like mm. immediately decided to look like a snowboarder and then like joined the lacrosse team and became a little bit more preppy and like was always trying to figure out like what my clothing says about me because when I was in high school and middle school everyone's clothing said the same thing about them pretty much because you had to it was like basically yeah. a uniform so it's, it's not something I've ever really realized, but um, just in listening to you and talking, having this conversation, like when I was in seventh and eighth grade, when I switched high, I uh, switched my middle school and went to a new, um, like it was going to be my high school from seventh to 12th. Um, I was like s immediately uncomfortable with like, I was overweight. Mm -hmm. I looked different from everyone. I mean, I went to two, an elementary school, a preschool and an elementary school and a middle school that were all primary uh, that were all like Christian uh, Episcopalian schools. Mm. I was the only kid of color. So I always looked different and I was always like uncomfortable with that. And when I, once I got to my high school, Harvard Westlake, I was uh, on top of that. I was overweight 
And so I remember like by the time I, I was in eighth grade and I was still overweight and like going into ninth grade, I was like, I was so unhappy with it. And I used to talk to my mom about it a lot. My mom got me a personal trainer because she was like, she could feel how unhappy I was with it and like insecure um, going to school. And I, in ninth grade, I don't know what happened. I was just like one morning, I was like, this is 100% going to change. And what I used to do, I live, my parents live on the top of this hill. And so I would have my mom pick me up from school and I'd have her bring my like workout clothes and just drop me off at the bottom of the hill. And it was four miles to the top. And I didn't have a cell phone or anything. So I'd just say, I'll be home for dinner. That's it. And the first time I did it, it took me three hours to walk up the hill. And eventually it got to the point where I could run it in 45 minutes. And I lost a ton of weight. And I like all of a sudden became confident and like, I joined the football team in ninth grade. I was in a band. I like got my first girlfriend in ninth grade. And the transformation from eighth to ninth grade was the first time I had ever seen anything like that happen to myself and like to anyone. And it was the first time I was like, oh my God, if you don't like something, you can change it. Mm. It was so shocking to me. And I think just in this conversation, like even when I look at something and I compare myself to it, because I do it all the time, I'm, I'm human, it's like natural. Um, my first initial thought is, oh, if I actually did that every day, I could do that too. So I don't have as much like, uh, I'm not upset or anything when I see something that I compare myself to because I know that if I actually want it, I could change to that too. That transformation changed my life like from eighth yeah, to ninth grade. I think it's about having that belief that you can change it. Yeah. Because for me, I feel like, and maybe because it's like maybe because I didn't have a big transformation, but I find that there are some things like working out every day um, where I'm like, I don't believe that I could do that. And I think it's if I want, like I want to, but sometimes I look at it and I'm like, I couldn't do it. Hmm. And if I want to actually do it, I'm going to have to figure out how to believe that I can do it. Yes. And I don't know how that happens. I think you have to witness it. For yourself. Within yourself. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. You have you, to witness it. Yeah. Because th- th- no way someone else can tell you. No way. You have to witness it. Like, and for me, like we grew a company and sold it. That was crazy. We were 22 yeah. to 24. Like witnessing that for me was like, okay, that's possible too. Like all of those things. It's like, oh my God, I feel like anything is, is is possible. I will say that just goes for sort of me personally, I think. Yeah. But in terms of like what I think we're capable of and what's available to us from like a career path, I also have like a steadfast belief that it's all available to us. Yeah. And maybe that also has to do with selling a company and being a part of that ride. Mm-hmm. It just felt feels like anything is possible. Like there's no like if we wanted to be like the biggest film producers in Hollywood or something like, yeah, I'd be like, yeah, is someone to ask me like, is that possible? I'd be like, yeah, it is mm-hmm. definitely. And I believe it. I think the thing that becomes challenging is as you get older, you know what those things come with, mm. right? Because you develop a lifestyle that you, you start to love what certain comforts that you start to love. And then you recognize <clears throat> when you have an idea, you're like, that idea is great and it's possible but it also comes with this and I'd have to sacrifice this. But I wish I knew this at 20. I don't know. If I was 20, then I wouldn't care about sacrificing that. So I think that that's a really interesting part is like having, 
having the understanding that it's all possible, having the roadmap in your head to know like, I, yeah, if I just do it every single day, I can get really good at it. And then also having the reservations of like, okay, but that would take a t- take time away from me and, and, and my girlfriend or my family. And like, I don't, I don't know that I want to do that right now. I mean, granted, this was our experience, so we don't know anything else. But in my opinion, like if there's something that you want to do or you want to try some great idea, doing it from the ages of like 18 to 26 mm-hmm. seems to me like <laughs> yeah, yeah, the sure. best time to give it a shot. Yeah. Because my thought too, even like being out here and working on our first company was I can afford to be at ground zero at 26 or 27. Mm-hmm. Luckily, we had put a bunch of work in and it worked out and it was like, you know, we were, it was productive. And I think most people will find that, that it is no matter what, it's a productive five to six years. But yeah, I think like now as I get older, you, you, like you said, we have so many ideas, but you do know what those ideas will take. Mm-hmm. It's not like they're just easy now mm-hmm. by any means, you know exactly how hard they are and you have more going on in your life. Yeah. Yeah, so then you then you have to take a hard look, and because there's some entrepreneurs who had, you know, we're talking at the age of 29. There's tons of entrepreneurs who don't even start their first thing until they're like in their mid 30s or 40s, and they go through the same ride of like sleepless nights, like working at it every day, traveling all over. Um, so it just comes down to appetite too. Like, it's it's I think obviously it's about age because when you're getting older, you want certain like stability and and whatnot. Um, so, but at the same time, it's a, it's a, it's also about appetite, which like I'm recognizing now what I have the appetite for and not in entrepreneurship where it's like, you know, would you give up, you know, and we're being faced with a challenge that, or that, that might come to life. That is, is one of the bigger time sacrifices that I'll take, uh, which is moving out of Los Angeles. And if that comes to life, then it's like, uh, you mean like, with wow. one of our opportunities? Yeah. Yeah. With one of our opportunities. Uh, yeah. And that's like, whoa. But, you know, I recognize I, I also want that really badly. And so I'm like, yeah, those are, you know, if that's what that means, that's what that means. Yeah, this is a really interesting time for us right now where we have a lot of, I can't say a lot, but we have around three or four like pending opportunities. And we're sort of just waiting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I thought about that last week. I was like, we're waiting. And then that, that really upset me because I was like, I never want to be in a situation where I'm waiting. We shouldn't be waiting. It doesn't make any sense. So like, what can I do that's proactive? Cause like, it doesn't make sense to just sit and wait. Like y- you can't control any of those opportunities anymore. Like you can do as much as you can to provide as much material to say, this is why I'm right for this opportunity or this is why we should be doing this. And then at that point you just leave it and move on. And you're like, what else? Because yeah. I'm under the assumption that none of those are happening. Cause none of those are happening. Exactly. So then move on. And like, you know, they're, they're obviously in the back of your mind, but like just, yeah. What's next? What, what, what's life going to be like without those? Cause those aren't even happening. Exactly. So, yeah. You know, like totally, that's where we move from. Well, uh, yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, I hope you guys enjoyed that conversation. That was, uh, went in a lot of different yeah, directions, went in a lot of different directions, but it all stemmed from that, that experience, which was, uh, uncomfortable for both of us. The, the interview that we had to do for, for the breakdown for, for Buzzfeed. And, um, if you guys stay tuned to, uh, to us across platforms, I think, uh, we'll probably update you. I mean, if we get that opportunity, we'll definitely talk about it. Uh, even if we don't, even if we don't, we'll probably talk about it. Um, but no matter what, it was an awesome experience. And yes, again, this is the first podcast that we are filming. 
So hopefully there will be video of this podcast somewhere, whether it's across our social platforms, on Instagram, on Twitter, or maybe even a YouTube video about this topic. That's it this week for the Colin and Samir podcast. We hope you enjoyed hearing our conversation and thoughts around the experience with pitching our show. And we'll be sure to keep you up to date on that opportunity and where it lands. If you've been enjoying the show, please take a second to review the podcast. We actually have 99 reviews on the podcast right now, and it'd be awesome to get into triple digits on reviews. We really appreciate all your feedback in the reviews and on Twitter and over email. Podcasts are kind of interesting in that there's not really a comment section. So feel free to make the reviews like a comment section. You can drop a question in there and maybe we'll answer it on an upcoming episode. If you're in the U.S. and you're celebrating Thanksgiving this week, happy Thanksgiving. And we will see you back here next Monday for another episode of the Colin and Samir podcast.